In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. It looks like we made it. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. I hope if you feel like you're down in a funk a little bit, I hope you realize it's a silver lining out there. I hope if you get a little bit grateful, you realize there's people in your life that love you and the miracle is right on the other side. You just got to take baby steps towards it and life is conspiring to help you out, but you got to want it. That's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce to you an incredible guest, an incredible show some incredible ideas of which we're about to talk about. The one and only Matt Ritchie, a.k.a. Mr. Cannabis. He's a visionary leader at the intersection of business, venture capital, and conscious leadership. As a seasoned CEO, father, and advocate for plant medicine, Matt has cultivated success by prioritizing the human element in every venture. His commitment to scaling culture profitably is evident in his role as an advisor and as a unicorn whisperer. Matt is the driving force behind www.innercircle.biz. Everyone go check it out. A groundbreaking platform fostering collaboration among plant medicine leaders, industry experts, and service providers. With an unparalleled ability to navigate rapid growth, Matt embodies the essence of an elevated executive, where leadership meets plant medicine awareness and trauma-informed insights. Follow Matt for cutting-edge content on leadership, venture capital, and team building as he continues to shape the future of business. And I'm so excited you're here today, Matt. Thanks for being here. How are you? Great, George. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you uh, opening your open your desk to me, and we can have this conversation. I think we're going to have a have a little fun today. Yeah, we are. I, I really think we are. And I gave a little bit of a background, Matt, about who you are and some of the things you got going. It was it was small, but I thought we got some good points there. But I was wondering if maybe you could. Just build us a little bit more of a foundation of who you are and where you're at right now so we can continue the conversation. Sure thing. Um, you know, I'm located here in San Diego, California. I've been here for about 17 years now. So it's kind of the, my new home I'm from Pennsylvania on the East Coast originally. Uh, you know, I grew up in the, the dare era of, uh, you know, cannabis and, and, you know, prohibition of all that. So I had a lot of programming early on around what cannabis and or drugs were and uh you know i didn't i was a pretty serious motocross racer at a young age so i didn't drink yeah. alcohol or do anything until i was 21 years old and from 21 to 26 or 7 i drank a decent amount of alcohol like most people did that age and uh realized pretty quickly that it wasn't really my body didn't like it my my body my consciousness just wasn't really you know vibing for me and um you know someone introduced me to cannabis you know i'd been in california for like five or six years until you know, I saw everyone, not everyone, but I saw a lot of people using cannabis and I was kind of like, oh, you know, those, who are those losers over there? You're you know, using cannabis as opposed to drinking alcohol, right? And that was just my program. I had yeah. full on programming that alcohol was okay and or safe and that cannabis and other drugs were, were bad. So anyway, I had some, some close friends that used cannabis and they were successful. So I was like, well, I kind of like broke my mold of like, oh, if you use cannabis or use these drugs that you're going to be a bad person or you're going to be unsuccessful or you're going to be a loser or whatever it was. And, um, you know, 
I actually I didn't use Canvas again until I was until I actually went back to Pennsylvania and I was hiking and me and me and a friend of mine were hiking with our backpacks, you know, overnight. And we literally just ran into random people that offered us a nug of cannabis. So we we had an apple with us. So we we, we you know took it. And that, that night we bored out the apple. Had our had my very first. Well, let me back up. When I was thirteen, I tried cannabis like twice, and you know it was very you know I was I was a snowboarder. So you know I had some friends that you know did it snowboarding, and I tried it like twice, and it didn't really have tremendous effects on me. I don't really remember it being good or bad. It just kind of was. And, you know, right after that, like right when I was 13 and a half, 14 years old, right when I started getting serious about motocross. So I kind of got out of that group of friends and never went back. So my first real experience was in the woods, 27 years old, you know, with a good friend of mine. And we had an amazing experience. It really kind of opened up my senses, really opened up, you know, I felt so connected to nature and I just felt so uh, alive, if you will. And so from then on, I was kind of like, wow interesting this is a this is a different experience than i was intending or than i thought maybe the, these plants had for me so fast forward you know i didn't use a lot of cannabis for probably a year or two after that um but you know coming back to california was very prevalent so i, I would you know i would have have a hit here or there or whatever and it kind of it always like brought me back to this really introspective self-awareness space and it uh, you know it unlocked an unconscious memory for me i had a uh, an unconscious memory a suppressed memory if you will from childhood right. around you know uh, you know being being abused as a child you know, some, some parents friends and stuff like that so without going too far into that it was a really good awakening for me to really see what had been driving me unconsciously and to really unlock some of these memories and or thoughts that i had been suppressing for you know a good portion of my life so for me cannabis was a gateway it was an opening to a higher state of consciousness, a higher awareness of my own power and my own abilities. And then from there, uh, you know, I got introduced to ayahuasca and some other, you know, psychedelics. Yeah. Well. So I got to do my first ayahuasca ceremony about a little over 10 years ago now. And, you know, tremendous uh, transformation and healing powers. And of course, not just the experience, but then the integration and the continued coaching and the work that I got to do for, for a couple years after that really, really, uh, you know, changed who I am as a person, as a man, um, you know, for, yeah. for me specifically, I was very more timid. I didn't really have the confidence that I really needed to be successful as a man, as a person, in, you know, in business. And so up until that point, I was really, I was really playing small, you know, I was really not really living up my potential in a lot of ways. So for me, cannabis and then specifically plant medicines really helped to unlock my power and really to help me give me some vision and some guidance onto what was possible for me and how I could really step into a greater, greater, you know, vision for myself and my life and what I wanted to create. So from then on, uh, you know, for a few years then I would use, you know, psychedelics periodically, maybe once or twice a year, just to get, you know, to, to stay in tune. It's kind of like a checkup, right? You go to the, go to the doctor, you go to the, uh, the shaman and, and get your, your dose. And that really has served me in a, in a capacity for the last 10 years, uh, doing, you know, once a year, at least having one, some, some sort of psilocybin experience or some other, uh, you know, deep, work experience where I can check in, make sure that I'm not kidding myself, not make sure I'm not lying to myself about some stuff that, that's been happening and really use these plants for transformation and or introspection. So, um, you know, I, and I credit, you know, I say my, my personal transformation to that. And then, you know, about six years ago, I was with my, you know, with my now wife and we just gotten married and she was really wanting to have kids. And I was really, I was really on the fence. I was kind of like, uh, you know, I could have a kid, but didn't really feel like it was my highest excitement just for many reasons, for selfish reasons, mostly. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I had a really strong, my strongest, uh, you know, that probably ever actually, uh, psilocybin experience. I took about three, three plus grams of, of psilocybin yeah. and it just completely, you know, opened me up and had a really, really beautiful dance with the, with the medicine around <laughs> who I was going to be in my next iteration of life and who, you know, what my next evolution of, uh, of, you know, what I was creating was, and that included kids. And then, so now I have two young kids. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So I really attribute, you know, me even wanting to have kids and me, you know, powerfully stepping into that proposition to can or, you know, to uh, psychedelics and specifically uh, psilocybin. So for me, these compounds have really guided me and given me, you know, the guidance that I was really looking for in times of need, in times of feeling unconfident or unsure of myself. These, you know, I can't contribute all the, the stuff to them. Of course, it makes you go inward and make you really tune into yourself. But, you know, these are the, the tools that I've used to really uh, to really change who I am as a person and to really shape where I'm going in my life. So I, I, you know, fast forward now for the last four plus years, I've been cultivating a community of people in the CBD cannabis and psychedelic space who are operating businesses, who are entrepreneurs, 
And, uh, you know, we do the, we have a, a mastermind community of people who we bring people together. These are, you know, leaders, leaders of high integrity from around the globe. You know, I'm here in Southern California, so there's a lot of people in this area, but there's people all over the world that are uh, both getting into these, these compounds, both on a, on a personal level, but also in a, in a business sense, as far as how can we bring these compounds safely and, you know, how can we educate the masses on how to use these compounds and these, these uh, medicines as medicine, as, you know, with intention, with the the power that they deserve, yeah. or the, you know, the reverence they deserve, because they are powerful, right? Yeah. So for me, the, the whole industry, uh, you know, like say, I've been about five years now, I've been in the industry a little less. When my daughter was born, I was exiting one company, and, you know, deciding what I was going to do for my next sort of project. And, you know, I'm a daily meditator, and I kept getting the vision that <laughs> everything that I've been building around leadership, everything I've been building around team building, and, and you know, really trans you know, transforming people's lives was needed in this space was really needed in this industry, because it was kind of just very early is very nascent in that sense. And there's a lot of, you know, we're coming out of a black market, we're coming out of an illegal uh, space. So a lot of the early operators are people who are coming uh, you know, people who are operating in the space are coming from the illegal space. And so it's like a, it's a really interesting community of people who don't necessarily trust each other. There's all these, these factions of the industry. And one of the goals that we've been, been having is to bring people together and to really build that trust and build those connections and seeing how we can, you know, how a rising tide can lift all ships together in a sense of how do we bring the legacy players in the market and, the, you know, that mindset into the, you know, the modern business and you know capitalism and how can we really shape that in a way that not only benefits the people you know working in the in the space but also obviously of course benefits the consumers and really educates the consumers so that we can uh you know i think the the, the biggest untapped market is those who are still not using cannabis right and there'll be these low dose drinks and there'll be low dose uh, uh you know capsules yeah. and there'll be you know ways where people can smoke in, in smaller doses uh, because that's that's truly the untapped market for the future of these medicines and for the future of cannabis and psychedelics is how do we really educate and bridge that gap from where we're at currently with all the propaganda that's been spewed over the last 50, 60 years to, you know, a, a more safe, more, uh, you know, more educated uh, place where people can have a higher perspective of these plants and how they can really come uh, to, to use them in a good way that really helps their life and really, you know, gives them medicine in some sort of way, whether it be mental health, whether it be physical health, whether it be mere, uh, emotional and spiritual health, all these things can be positively impacted when using these compounds uh, in, a, in a way. So the, you know, the drug war was started by Henry Anslinger in the 1960s. Yeah, basically in the 1960s, Richard Nixon's, you know, main guy, Henry Anslinger, he was from my hometown in Pennsylvania. And <laughs> karmically, you know, coming coming full circle now, feeling like I get to do, you know, a lot of the work to undo a lot of the things that he, you know, implanted and really propagandized in the culture, in the in the great, you know, in, in the mass of people in the, you know, not only the US, but in the world. And so I feel like this is part of my mission, part of what I get to do is to re-educate and re, you know, recenter these compounds so that we can use them in a safe way and that they feel like they're not taboo and they feel like they're not outside of the mainstream. Um, and we have a little ways to go. Like I said, we're still not there. We're still even federally illegal on a lot of cases here, but uh, the uh, the dominoes are falling and people are waking up every day that these are not the the danger that they've been you know, led to believe and that they have medicinal value and they have potential healing value for people that are seeking transformation or seeking some sort of uh, healing, whether it be mentally, you know, physically or spiritually. Thank you, man. First off, thanks for being honest and vulnerable about your relationship with cannabis and psychedelics. And I think that the best, the best stories of transformation always lead with the individual beginning to tell their story about their relationships. And when you tell me the story about being in a relationship with cannabis and using the infamous apple bomb that everybody who has begun a relationship has experimented with as their first step into engineering is how do I make this? How can I smoke something out of this? You know, <laughs> I'm an engineer at heart for sure. And that's the way my brain is kind of wired. You know, how do we reverse engineer what we want, create the outcomes in, in your mind and then reverse engineer the steps, you know, you need to get there. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So, and that, doesn't that speak to the idea of when you say, you know, you have this revelation after smoking cannabis, like, holy shit, something did something. Somebody did something to me when I was young and I, I pushed that away. Like on some level, do you feel like that's nature? Maybe your nature, maybe nature as a whole, but somehow the plant or nature communicating to you, like, listen, you have fucking trust issues and here's why. 
And you fast forward all these years longer. And then you look at your wife and you're like, oh, she wants to have kids. You're like, fuck, I don't want to have kids. I got, I got all these things I want to do. Boom, another trust issue. And now you've mm-hmm. built this business where you're bringing people together. And what do they have? Trust issues. Trust issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's fractal. The same mm-hmm. way that you can look at the veins of a leaf and see the way that that plant grows, so too can you look at the fractal things that happen in your life and understand why your relationship's the way you are. You can look at your business and be like, look, it's growing in the same way that my life is, the same way my kids are. Like mm-hmm. what an amazing thing to, to have a relationship with a potential exogenous neurotransmitter like cannabis or psilocybin and realize Dude, I have been leaving out a giant part of the picture. Now, what is your? Maybe you can flesh out a little bit more about your relationship to cannabis and how it has expanded your relationship with the business and people moving forward. I love that question, and I didn't really actually piece together the trust kind of the the vein that kind of goes through all that, right? Around everything being a lack of trust, because that is such a big thing in, in our life, no matter what we're doing, right? If we don't yep. believe we can do things, if we don't trust ourselves to be able to execute whatever it is it's doing, then you're going to have issues. You're going to probably not take the action because our unconscious brains will only do things that we are essentially know that we can succeed on. That's why we don't take action on a lot of things. That's why we procrastinate. That's why we don't do certain things, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I love that connection, that, that kind of vein through there. But, you know, my relationship with cannabis has definitely evolved. You know, like say when I first started using it, it was definitely in smaller amounts because I didn't need as much. But then, you know, once I got through, honestly, you know, even doing the work, I was using cannabis as a crush to a certain degree as far as, you know, being able to, as you're going through these traumas and whatever, like it's sometimes you just need to get away from it. Sometimes even on a daily basis, you know, you can only do so much. So, you know, I've, I don't want to say overdosed, whatever, but I've used cannabis more yeah. than I should have at certain points. But everything's contrast. If you don't go that far, you don't know how far you need to go and or you should go to have the experience and, and you know, whatever you're, the titration you're looking for as far as how you use the medicine to properly get the experience you're looking for. So for me, cannabis, I've kind of done it all in a sense. Of I've, I've been in a, a period of life and it's been probably eight years now that I woke up and would smoke cannabis and, you know, smoke it throughout the day. And it would be sort of my crutch. And then I definitely got to a point where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why do I need to do that? Like, what, what's, what am I not facing that I need to be having these you know, external uh, substances to cope and to deal and to be, you know, normal, right? So for mm-hmm. me, it's definitely been a, a journey and evolution of how I use it, how, you know, what type I use. Um, I've gotten pretty good with what my, my current regimen is. Like, so me, for me now, I don't use any cannabis until later in the day, for sure. Um, I use it like a coffee. I don't use coffee. I don't use right. caffeine. So for me, sometimes in the middle of the day, you know, even uh, so what I use, is I, I like dry flour. So I've used the oils. I've nice. used all these things, but oils are strong and they're yeah. too convenient. And <laughs> so for me, I, I like flour and I've been using uh, CBD flour. I actually have been using some THCA flour, which is actually a little bit lighter than your traditional you know, Delta 9 THC flour. So that for me is like usually if I'm going to use it in the daytime, like, you know, one, two, three, four o'clock, sometime in the middle of the day, that's what I'll use. I put a little bit of that in my packs, you know, get a little yeah. quarter of a grain put it in there and you know cbd and and this thca or or normal thc but either way i usually mix cbd flour with it and that kind of feels like a really good balance where you know heightens my awarenesses kind of gets me back online gives me some focus and it definitely gives me that energy to like take on the second half of my day because i get up early and i have young kids i'm up by like 5 30 6 o'clock every day so usually by like one o'clock two o'clock i'm kind of hitting that that midday you know wall uh, where you need something to kind of get you to that, that next level. So certain people drink coffee or certain people drink a Red Bull or whatever, uh, no judgment, whatever you want to do. But cannabis is, is seems to be the tool that helps me the best as far as unlocks my energy, gives me focus. Now, of course, if I use too much, then it kind of takes me out of that, sure. right? If I, if I had to go and just smoke a big bong, then I would probably be not nearly as productive. I wouldn't be nearly as focused or as clear. Yeah. Um, but that alone has its own, you know, its own space, right? It's its own, it's its own ultimate state. So for me, using cannabis is all about contrast. You know, when I would use it daily or use it the same every day, it wasn't getting that contrast. That almost made me just feel normal. Where now, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I feel normal in the day, whatever, and I use that for contrast for a heightened sense of, you know, like focus or even just a heightened sense of creativity. Like say for me, I kind of break up my days in, I kind of break it down into what I call masculine, feminine experiences because the, the plant is more feminine, right? So mm. it's more creative, it's more flow, it's less, uh, you know, less structured in that way. So you kind of feel different or you're going to act different when I'm, when I'm on it, or I'll think I want to act differently when I'm on it. So for me, if I'm doing sales calls or if I'm, you know, doing whatever, like this interview with something I need to be more on point or whatever, like I'm be more in my masculine energy, my more, you know, focused, aggressive, sort of not, not aggressive, that feels like a negative word, but like aggressive being, just, you know, moving <laughs> stuff, you, yeah. being impassioned, right? Yes. 
um, for me, I need to be, or I get to be having less cannabis in my system for that. And then I'll, you know, like I said, the, the inverse of that is when I use cannabis, it makes me a little bit more introspective. It makes me more creative. I can write, or I can do certain things where those are all part of my business. I need to, I need to do all that. So I can really break up my days to be, you know, masculine, feminine, even if it's just half the day here, half the day here, or it's a whole day here, like all day Wednesday, I'm going to be in my masculine doing this and that. And then maybe all day Friday or, or Saturday, I can be, you know, using more cannabis and being more of my, my feminine energy, if that makes sense. So for me, it's been a really long journey here, 10, about 10 plus years, 12 years now of what works, what strains work, what consumption methods work, um, you know, and the whole indicative sativa, as you know, is definitely not a good guy. I've been really breaking down on what terpenes really work best for me, you know, like piney. Yeah. And, you know, some of those ones for focus are really the best for me. And I know if I, you know, have something with too much myrcene and, and, you know, some of the, I can't, I can't pronounce some of the cannabinoids, but some of the ones really yeah. kind of bring my energy, not down, but just inward. I just feel like very like chill, right? It's kind of that, yeah. couch, if you will. So for me, the, uh, the titration portion has been, Awesome, but also, like I say, I'm gonna probably, <laughs> I'm writing a couple books, but one, you know, the one of the books I'm writing is around, uh, you know, how to use cannabis as a tool and how to really, you know, use it in a way that is, uh, you know, beneficial for whatever it is you want to accomplish in your life. As far as, like, I say, when we think think about these plants, they have a certain energy, right? Sure. And when we consume them, we take on that energy to a certain degree, and that's where, like, I say, the whole indica sativa kind of comes in because they are different plants. They do have different uh, features, like, I say, different terpenes, different different, uh, you know, even different per, per, uh, percentage of cannabinoids. So for me, really figuring out the ones that work for me has been, uh, you know, a game changer for me to daily, you know, take or not take and be in certain states. And especially with young kids and all this stuff kind of going on, there's yeah. a lot, a lot to manage and, and be present for uh, that these cannabinoids really actually help me with. So for me, yeah, for me, this has been, uh, been, been an interesting, fun journey to figure out how I can be my best self and what I can use, what tools I can use to help me on a daily basis to stay there. So like even before this, before yeah. this, uh, you know, the interview I jump on, I have a, a psilocybin spray and in, you know, two sprays is like a microdose. Two sprays is about right. 200 milligrams of psilocybin, which for anyone out there is, is low, like a two, a 200 to 400 milligrams is usually what they consider a microdose where I don't feel anything per se, but I feel like it almost like gives me a little bit of like that mental clarity, a little bit of that yeah. mental like focus, um, stuff like that. So for me, I use all these different tools in different different ways so that I can be at my peak or be and do whatever whatever state I need to be in. You know, these are just basically putting you in altered states, so whatever state I need to be in at whatever certain time, then I can kind of you know, tailor that to whatever I'm doing. I love it. You know, there's I, I think that as our relationship with different sorts of plants mature you know we can we can see it in the way in which when i was young i used to buy a dime bag from chewy called like white widow but now in the world you know you you flip it over and you can see the terp profile and you can begin to understand the complexity behind it and i think another thing that people who are beginning to climb the second mountain realize is that there's a difference between state and stages. And earlier in the conversation, you said, look, George, I overdosed on things or I used it in this way. Well, that was a, like, that's a stage. And you probably have to go through that stage in those states to get to the next stage and the next state. And I think that the, the evolving journey, at least where I am so far, is that there's a great book by, um, everyone should check out Sebastian Marincolo. This guy's a genius. And he wrote this book called Elevated, Cannabis as a Tool for Mind Enhancement. He was mentored by like Lester Grinspoon and he tells stories about Carl Sagan using, you know, cannabis in order to come up with these ideas. It's fucking mind blowing, man. But he talks about stages and states and, and much like you, he's talking about cannabis as a tool for elevated thinking. And we haven't thought about that. You know, for so long, we've been conditioned to think that these guys are potheads. These guys are burnouts. But look at all the people out there that have created amazing things, not only in the tangible real world, but people like you or me that have come up with creative ways to deal with trust issues, have found creative ways to face the very things that have blocked them in life from succeeding. That's incredible. And the tools you're using now, whether it's psilocybin or different flowers, it's amazing to me to get to see the evolution of people creating things on cannabis. And I, I'm thankful that you're speaking about it. What is your thoughts on the difference between states and stages in cannabis? Yeah, it's a great awareness. Um, you know, I, I've heard of that book, but I've never actually read it. So I actually you know, probably need to put that on. My, I'll hook my you up with them. You guys will have a great conversation, man. I'd love that. Yeah, I'd love yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm a big reader, so I love to find new books that can uh, yeah. 
you know, open my mind even further or give me new information that I can process and, and put into my daily life. But you'd mentioned stages, you know, everything's cyclical, right? That's what I found out, you know, even just, you know, being a father or, you know, being a business person or just yeah. being a person, right? everything is cyclical. Like, the, you know, what we did for one year may not be what we want to do for that next year or even part of that year. Like, say we talk about the seasons, right? We have four seasons. Now, San Diego, we don't have four seasons, but... <laughs> Yeah, not Hawaii either. Yeah, Wet exactly. and dry. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. We've got about two seasons here, but either way, we still have seasons, right? So there are stages, there are seasons of life. And you you hit it on the head. You know, if you don't, if you never have that experience of using too much, then how do you get to the season of knowing exactly what too much right. is or what, what right. the right amount is, right? So not to say you need to spend years of your life over over you know dosing or using too much cannabis and you know whatever but maybe there's a, a six month period or a year period or a month period whatever there's a period of life and they say stages are relative to the person going through them or to whatever it is that's going through right yes. so the stage can be i say it can be literally you can be you know if you're a quick adapter maybe you can go through a stage in a week or a month some people might take a little longer might take six months might take a year yeah um, but for me, stages have been like say, well, not you know, it's always good looking back because you can connect all the dots and you can you know map out those stages and you can kind of see the ebb and flow. But the stages are are real, and uh, for you know, say specifically, like say in business, like you can't you can't you know, we're 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 kind of at stage two now with this business where we were at startup mode for like two and a half three years, right? Now we're out of that stage and we're at a whatever the, whatever you want to call the next stage from startup, but it's like that next evolution of business and what got us to this stage. You know, it's not going to get us to that next stage, right? right? We got to change who we are. We got to change sort of how our, how we approach people. We get to change our pricing. We get to change everything, right? Because we're evolving yeah. with with the you know with everything. And so those stages are important to recognize because a lot of people, I think, get stuck in a certain stage that worked for them at a certain time period, and then all of a sudden it's not working anymore. But they don't right. realize that they can change with it or that something needs to change to 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 you know move out of that cycle, move into that next stage. Um, so I think a lot of people do get you know just they're not there's just a lack of awareness around the you know the ebbs and flows of life and these you know, say the stages in which we kind of go through so for me it's been i've been pretty aware of that the fact that i'm you know moving through stages like say even just you know my, my youngest son he's just two and a half now we're kind of moving out of the baby stage right he's yeah. getting rid of getting rid of his afternoon naps who's becoming just a normal human now where he's just sleeping at nighttime <laughs> there's all these stages like say from kids to business to cannabis to our relationship with with our with my spouse like saying my, yeah. my you know my beautiful wife like we had an amazing honeymoon stage and then you have like say your kids stage and now we you know had the early baby stage and now we're gonna kind of hopefully come back into a more of a, an us stage so we can kind of come back together and kind of you know rekindle our romance and all these sort of things that you know fall off and you have to kind of side yeah. decide when you're raising kids and when you're doing certain things so everything is stages and uh, you know having that awareness it, it's nice because then it allows you to realize that this is only temporary whatever i'm going through isn't isn't like this is going to be like forever you know this is only right. a state only a portion and you get to enjoy it right i get to enjoy right. this state i'm never going to have it again i'm never going to have an under two-year-old again. Cute. i'm never going to have a baby right so right. To really be present with it and to really enjoy the journey you know that's one of the like, say i've done a, <laughs> done a few minutes of psychedelics and the the message yes yeah. in a sense of like hey you're here you're powerful enjoy whatever it is you want to do whatever it is you're doing you're creating right. you're, you're the master of your domain, so to speak. And that's not to say things don't happen to us, right. but in general, it's 90, 90, 10, 90% of the things we're creating or we're reacting to things that happen to us. And then there's 10% of things that kind of come in or happen to us. So really you know, having that empowered view, that perspective is important because I feel like it lets us enjoy these stages, enjoy whatever it is we're going through, knowing that it's temporary, knowing that it's fleeting and knowing that there's probably something better on the next side of that stage. Man, I love it. it I can't help but think, about maybe cannabis, maybe psychedelics, maybe nature. Maybe the teacher shows up when you're ready. You know, when you, when, I, when I'm listening to the words you're saying, it seems almost ritualistic to me. And I don't mean to bring the esoteric into this, but how can you not? Like on some level, we've been conditioned our whole lives. And if you look at what alcohol does, you know, it 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 makes you be okay with having less than the true authentic nature of yourself, man. It just fucking, it erodes that creative spirit on some level. And I think that the healing power of psychedelics, and I, I hope I'm not grandstanding too much because I'm a giant advocate, but I love them. And I think that they can really be helpful if they're used in the right way. And I, I, it just seems that the conditioning that we're brought into this world with, maybe it's culture, maybe it's society, you know, but, Think about the language, drugs and alcohol. 
Like that's who who came up with that? Like that's a PR move. Drugs and alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. Like look at right. the way we're conditioned to see it. You know what I mean? Like there's that's drugs and then there's alcohol. Like no, right. it's not I didn't see it. I never saw alcohol as a drug growing up. That was not of a drug. Course. Of course, because in the literature, it's in it's in everything. It's been legalized on some ways. And I think it's imperative to look at prohibition, to look at society's relationship to alcohol so that we can move forward. And especially you, Matt, with this incredible community that you've built, I'm not sure that you thoroughly understand. I, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but like the impact that you're having on people, like you are creating a new awareness for people to approach cannabis with. Like I mean, mm -hmm. nature has chosen you to help be that person. Like that's an incredible responsibility to do. And when I look at the community, that maybe we can shift to the, I'll give you some thoughts on what, what I've said here, but we should shift the idea of the community you've built, how you've built it and the people that are coming together. But I'll let you respond to that any way you want. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to, of name. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. But, you know, the, the community specifically, like I say, I, I feel like I have an, a perspective, but there's probably more to it. And I know there's more to it to, than I'm even experiencing at this point. I mean, we have about 75 members mm -hmm. currently, which isn't Great. huge, but it's definitely like 75 people were having an impact. You know, you know, we've had people come in um, and, and different things they're working on, and then they work with us for a year, and then something shifts within them, and then they're, you know, automatically they're, they're feeling better. Their mental stress is less. They feel less, you know, uh, uh, you know, pressure in a sense of like, oh, I have to do this. It's more of this, but it's, you know, a lot of things we do is around reframing and how we have perspective and how we have set up our mindset and how we take on challenges, you know, challenges are opportunities, right? You know, mm -hmm. these, these the, way, the way we see things, it's not, I have to do something. It's I get to do something, right? It's like, this is what I'm yes. choosing to do. And if you're not choosing, if you're not, you don't like the things that you have to do, then you choose, you know, you can make the decision to choose differently and, you know, do things that you get to do, right? And so it's a different perspective on how you do things. So, um, but as you mentioned, the community is, is huge and it's going to be, you know, bigger than me and it is bigger than me. And, you know, I, I'm rarely the smartest, I'm almost never the smartest person at the table or in the room because I like to surround myself around people who are, you know, big thinkers, people who are doing big things, people who have big ideas. And those types of people are, you know, it's like, say you, you hear about, you know, the people you spend the most time with, you know, the top five people, whatever it is. Specifically in business, though, that is, I mean, that's every, it's always true. So you look at your friends, you look at, you know, your wife or your partner, whoever you, you spend a lot of time with, yeah. and or in business, you know, if you're not thinking big, if you're not have these, you know, if you don't have people around you kind of talking crazy in a certain way, like, hey, like, we're going to do these big things. Yeah. I'm around people who I think, you know, I think I'm pretty crazy. Most people, most of my family thinks I'm pretty crazy and pretty yeah. out there and what I think. But then I get around other people, maybe like yourself, and we have a conversation. He's like, wow, this guy is actually, you know, thinking bigger or thinking differently than I am. And that's that to me is inspiring in a, in a certain way as far as, you know, you don't realize how you or, you know, how you inspire other people or how people inspire you until it happens. And sometimes it's yeah. just you, know, you being you showing up, you know, being in that, like, say, even just jumping on here with you. Yeah. High energy, super whatever. Like for me, that automatically pulls me into that state. And we need that sometimes as good as we can be and as disciplined as I am, sometimes I need inspiration. Sometimes I need someone external for me to really light me up and really give yep. me an idea or, or even just motivation, right? To get shit started or yep. you know, to stop procrastinating. Like we mentioned earlier, no one's perfect. We're all just human and we all have the same, you know, set of emotions. It's just, you know, what order they come in or how quickly we process them and how we're able to move through from one emotion to another. So the community, yeah. coming back to the community, the community to have this support system, that's essentially what I want to build is a circular economy that people are not only doing business together, but people can lean on each other and ask for advice, you know, feel like they can open up and, and share things that are beyond the normal, what people share, because once we share those things, they become you know, once we, once we, like say, when I had my repressed memories, once I got them out, you know, external from my yeah. mind and thoughts, and I went through them with somebody to, to really help me have some perspective on stuff, yeah. I realized that, you know, I had been blaming myself for a lot of those things that had nothing to do with, you know, I had no control over a lot of it, right? So yeah. to really just have that reframe and have high level thinkers, high level, you know, high perspective people give us feedback, you know, even speak in the same group it's healing and it's inspiring so to have those kind of communities are essential to really grow and to really uh intentionally grow i should say like you know you can be oh, in a community that maybe oh we're, we're you know getting more business and doing this or whatever but maybe you're neglecting your health or you're neglecting you know something else well this is you know our community specifically is something we're we're building that's holistic you know how are you showing up for your for your family how are you showing up for your teammates how are you showing up for yourself and yeah. how is that how's that rippling out you know what's the roi on that for your business for your life for everything yeah. else? And to really kind of have a holistic view of 
life and business is one of the things we really approach people because I've been, I've worked with, with Facebook, I've worked with Airbnb and I've worked with all these, you know, right. large companies of people who they have big visions, whatever, but they have a very narrow focus and they, their health or other things suffer because of that. Yeah. And not good or bad, it just is. So if you want to have a, a wholly rich life where you feel amazing, where you have amazing relationships with your, 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 you know, your partner, your, your kids or whoever, and you have a thriving business that makes you money and you know, gives you the life you want, you need to make sure you're focusing on all of it. You're really building systems and surrounding yourself around people who are supporting that. Because like say, whatever is around you is essentially what you're going to fall into just because we're, that's the essence of being human. Like we want to be around or, you know, the people we're around, we want to be like, I mean, or be fit into. So you might as well fit in with a group of kind of misfits that are doing great things or doing, you know, thinking big as opposed to, you know, people who are just, no, oh, that's too, that's out there. Yeah. That's, really, that's, you know, people who down your dreams, you need to, you know, separate yourself from those people. And that's not always easy. That's been a, a decade long pro process for me as well. It's like, how do I, you know, <laughs> how do you trim yeah. the fat? How do you trim the fat in a way that, you know, is respectful and or true to yourself? Like if you're not, you know, if you stay in certain situations and around certain people, you're really, you're doing yourself as a disservice. So if you're at least selfishly want to minimally say, hey, like I want to have a great life. I need to surround mm -hmm. myself with good people because right. that's one of the main ways you're going to have a good life. So, Yeah, I think that speaks to like the idea of incubators and the calling. And when I speak about incubators, I think about life, like where you end up in life is sort of an incubator. Like if you end up at Facebook or UPS or any of these corporations, you're in there and like for a while you believe in this thing, like you're being incubated. And they start realizing like, you know what? I'm just a number here, man. I like this vision, but whenever I try to bring up my idea, like no one wants to hear my idea. They just want to hear their idea. You know, they just want to grow in this, this way. And I'm thankful that I got to be here and experience this, but I'm no longer interested in that. And I equate that to the calling in that even when we're younger, like sometimes like, dude, who are these guys smoking some reefer? They look kind of cool, man. These guys look a little dangerous. What the hell are these guys thinking about? You go over, you start talking to them a little bit and you're like, hey, not all of them. Don't, people don't get it twisted. Sometimes you move into a circle of people that are bad people. But when you hear the calling, sometimes it's usually maybe the calling is muffled. But sometimes the some of like when I grew up in it, I remember getting the calling talking to you like, dude, these people think differently. This is exactly how I think. I think different too. And you start being called to these different ideas and these different relationships. And it seems to me that cannabis plays a big part in opening up your mind to not only thinking bigger, but to thinking differently. And sometimes those two things are synonymous, thinking differently and thinking big, yeah. you know, new ideas or the way we think of it are very similar. But, you know, I, I, First off, I love talking to you, man. We could dig into philosophy and we're digging into communities. And But I got like a list of like 15 questions here. And so I'm going to ask you a couple of them here just to get moving sure. here, man. And Let's thank you it. for this. It's uh, it's really wonderful. And the hallmark of a good discussion is when time flies like that. So thank you. Okay. In the evolving landscape of cannabis, how do you see the intersection of medicinal and recreational use influencing the industry's future? Great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think when we, like, I, I, I'm in California and you look at, we had a really robust medical program here and yes. it's essentially been wiped away with, you know, the, the recreational market that's can't come through. Right. And, you know, I, I personally have a certain way of thinking about this and I don't think everyone necessarily thinks the same way, but I think that the use, the, the, the intentional use, right. How we use it. And, and like I say the, the intention, our thoughts behind why we're using things to have a conscious thought of not, not just to say wake up and you know use cannabis because they feel better and that's an unconscious use but to be intentional with my use saying hey i'm going to use this to be creative or i'm going to use this and sometimes it is i'm just going to use this to feel better because i have pain or i have whatever right I'm not, i don't want to you know i don't want to like you know shit on someone's current use of medicine because it is a medicine and it can yeah. it can be needed all day every day for certain people right but i think the majority of people overuse it and or using too much of it to get the desired effect they really want so i feel like um, you know, uh, I feel like the recreational med medical thing is an interesting conversation because I feel like the, the untapped consumer is going to be medical in a sense of mm. they're using it for mental health, right? Like maybe I take a, a capsule because maybe I don't want to smoke or I want to, you know, taste the cannabis, but I can take a capsule with CBD and CBG or something else in it that's going to give me that state of like feeling more normal or feeling more, you know, relaxed, feeling less like, you know, uh, you know, heady or you know rapid thoughts whatever you want to call it or you know you know just 
whatever people are using it for, I think when we're coming, we, we slow it down and we'd be more intentional with the use, you know, the, the, the amount we use and how we use it and the strains we use, the more right. detail oriented as opposed to like, say, just buying a dime bag off someone on the street and going smoking a bunch of weed. It's, it's, it's going to have an effect, of course, but it's not going to be maybe your specific desired effect. So the more detailed we can get and more specific around the plants and the cannabinoids that we can get, the better outcomes and experiences we'll have, which what I consider that's a medical thing in the sense of mm -hmm. like, that's being more intentional, that's using it in a precise way. Like I say, it's not just a party thing. And I say, it's not that you can't use it for party, right? right? But I think the untapped market of the next consumers are that medical kind of side of things. Because right now, you know, especially in California, 80% of you know, the 80-20 rule kind of rules, right? 80% mm -hmm. of your sales come from 20% of your consumers that consume all day, every day, right? And that's the current, you know, largest target market, specifically in markets like California. But there's a whole untapped market in the U.S., in the world of people who don't want to use cannabis. They don't, maybe they, maybe they don't even want to feel high, right? They just want to feel yeah. different. They want to feel better. They want to feel less anxious. They want to feel less pain or less whatever, right? So they want to, they want to alter their state in a way that say maybe isn't getting them super super high or or even feeling that t that, that strong thc feeling right? right so i think the the, the shift towards a medicinal way of looking at it the way we break it down from a like say for me like i have a little scale if i feel like a drug dealer i have a little scale that i literally weigh out so it's like a quarter gram or less every time right but that's that feels scientific and medicinal right it's not right. just pack the bowl as much as you can get in there and like light it up and go right it's different so it's more the intention behind it so for me, there's nothing wrong with the recreational market. There's nothing wrong yeah. with using it recreationally in the sense of going to a concert or going with your friends or doing whatever, right? Because that's a healing thing too. Having fun and opening up and being crazy, that's part of being a human. That's part of feeling the whole range of emotions. Um, but I think the major, we're talking about the, you know, the cross-ation there, I think the, the next wave of people, the next wave of consumers, the next wave of growth for the industry will be from that more medicinal side. Now, how we break that down state to state, even on a federal level, that's really messy right now. And like say most of these states that have a medical market, they're even trying to figure out how do we conserve that or how do we keep that sort of medicinal side without, you know, blowing it up with a recreational uh, initiative, right? I don't have a great answer for that other than education. Yeah, no one does. You know, really educating, like say educating people on why these things work or how they work and what doses they work and, you know, what different terpenes, like say everything that kind of I've personally been doing for the last decade, how do we educate people to have their own titration experience to figure out what works for them what the ultimate experience they want to have is and then how can they replicate that and so i think the more education we can have around that the more medicinal type of use people will have and the more open people will be to having a, a, you know to trying it or having a new experience with it as opposed to this whole i think a lot of people look at our industry or the you know the way people use it and it's kind of like these are just a bunch of stoners they just you know wake up they wake and bake and they have this and that and i'm not here to judge that it's just it's, it's just a different way that most people don't want to experience that that's not how most right. people want to use the plant so I think the future is medicinal in a way of we can educate and really get people to be more specific in how they want to feel and what's going to get them there. And of course, then we need to have a, you know, companies and people who are driving products and services that are, you know, catering to that and have different specific, you know, I think like the brand Dosist, D-O-S-I-S-T, you know, they have these specific little, um, you know, cart or, you know, inhalers that, you, know, you can you can turn the knob and make it point point two or two point five milligrams or five milligrams or ten milligrams, right? And you just take that hit and it gives you that dose. So the more of like sort of like that, we can really focus in on how much we're consuming and what that experience is going to give us. That is the future, I think, of of you know medicine in general, specifically cannabis and these plant medicines. Yeah, I like that. It's um, it's it's fascinating to see the containers in which we keep certain ideas or certain substances or or certain cultural aspects that we hold i, I saw this really funny um cartoon and it was uh, more of a comic than a cartoon and it was like these two guys and they were on the couch and they have these little blurbs above his head and one guy is like i've often thought that people that use cannabis for recreation are actually using it for medicinal use and the other guy is like which kind of weed is this is this recreational or medicinal <laughs> like it's yeah. somehow it's like this framing of 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 what we do and we do it i just bring up that because we do it with everything whether it's mm. our relationships whether it's cannabis psychedelics alcohol sports whatever you think of it's all framing you know and, mm. and like it, it it blows my mind to think about that and, and if shout out to etn from uh, etn from oakland who told me this that word on the street is we're about to see interstate commerce like happen soon probably 2024 
Like, what do you like? What's going to happen then, man? Like, what do you think happens when we have interstate commerce? All of a sudden, it goes from being, "Hey, this is illegal by the federal level," to the federal level being like, "All right, everybody, get on board." Well, I don't think the federal level is going to get that on board yet, but I think once <laughs> the states start interacting, they have. Here's the thing: yeah. what okay. I, as a kid, you think about these laws and whatever. It's like yeah. well, the laws are only as good as the people who enforce them, right? So yes. if they're not going to enforce them, if they have these large economies like like California and maybe Oregon or whoever we're going to start trading with. Um, if we start just doing it, what are they going to do? Are they going to come and try and shut it all down or are they going to try and work with us? And that's the whole point of even say these states right. coming online and saying, fuck you to the government. We're going to use this as, as, yep. a, uh, as a compound. You can't stop us. They haven't really stopped us. I mean, you know, say we, we've been moving forward. And of course, there's been bumps and they say it's not been perfect and, and it, you know, won't be until we get some more cooperation on the federal level. But, you know, I think the interstate commerce is just that next step of saying, hey, we're moving forward. This is what we need to do. Um, I think it'll help with pricing helps. I mean, cause here's the thing. Every market has its own pricing, good or bad. And if we can get a federal, you know, if we could be trading with all the other states, it'll stabilize it, at least in the U.S., yeah. right? You can have stable. What does that do for business? If you don't have stable pricing, it's hard to run a business. That's why some of these people go out of business year to year. Yes, That's why yes. I just heard, I just talked to someone yesterday and I don't you know, I don't, you need to fact check this. Right. They said 70 percent of all the licenses in California are not renewing for 2024. 70 percent of all the people who grow and industry, you know, whatever, cultivate cannabis, 70%. So the point is, is like there's an unstable market, which creates for an unstable business, which creates, you know, instability within the whole industry, right? Yeah. So I think that can help really stabilize the product, you know, the, 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 you know, the pricing for these products that we can have more stable business in the future. And the federal government just got to come. I mean, they're going to come along once, once it gets to a certain point and say California right. is the largest economy in the U.S., you know, top four in the world, right? <laughs> so right. it's like once this, this kind of happens here, it's inevitably going to domino and like I said, we're going to have some sort of hopefully movement on federal yes. legalization or decriminalization or descheduling or something probably won't happen in 2024. You know, I don't want to, I don't definitely get, don't keep people's hopes up on that. I'm not a big Joe Biden fan on that. I don't think he really wants to do it. He could get his hand forced <laughs> into doing it if, right. he's, if he can't get reelected. And the only way would be to do it is to, you know, get to these younger constituents or something and decriminalize it or take it off schedule or something like that. So it could happen before the election. But I wouldn't bank on that. I wouldn't put my business plan around that. Um, but it could be still five, 10 years before the federal government really comes around. But it could be a year. You never know. That's the whole thing. That's what the whole, all this instability really shakes up the, right. the industry. And there's just like, say, there's just lack of, 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 you know, standardization in the sense that we can do business when we know things are going to be a certain way or we're going to get a certain price or we can do a certain thing. There's none of that right now. So it's just very Wild West and it's very, you know, volatile. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 so prohibition in so many ways you know I, I i it's mesmerizing there's there's so much chaos but opportunity but also tragedy and i don't know it, it's it's fascinating i love talking about it and learning about it and perhaps you can elaborate on the potential societal impact as cannabis becomes more widely accepted for both medicinal and recreational purposes yeah um well, if you take my blueprint, then, you know, hopefully we can have more people become more awakened, more self-aware, more empowered in their own state. And they can use these compounds as a way to, uh, you know, day to day, live a better life, be more, you know, have a higher energy, have higher health, yeah. have higher focus, have better, you know, better, I don't say better intentions, but like say when you when you feel better, you do better, yeah. right? I mean, anyone who's felt like shit, you know, you don't want to do anything. You definitely want to do anything good or anything good for other people. It's about self-survival. It's about feeling better yourself. That's, true. That's just true, yeah. right? So when we feel yeah. good, we do good. So if we can get people to use these compounds in a, in a responsible way, like I said, we, I like to say more the medical side as far as how do we, you know, how do we figure out the titration and the specific things of how we want to feel and what experience we want to have, the quicker we can get to that, I think the more society will be open to it and or, uh, you know, adopting these things as something more normal and something I think the more normal it becomes, the, you know, the better off we are as a society in a sense of people, A, people will use less alcohol. Like that's the number one thing. Every, yes. every market you see from, from Colorado to wherever that has legal cannabis, you know, alcohol sales go down. That could be generational as well. You know, I'm, I'm a, I just turned 40 last week. So I'm a Congratulations. Millennial. Yeah, thank you. But I'm a millennial. <laughs> Millennial and younger are just overall consuming less alcohol. So mm -hmm. that could be somewhat generational, but it's also in a way, you know, they have an alternative. 
have cannabis and something that makes them feel much better. And you say, you know, if you all the, the just stipulations between alcohol and cannabis, it's like not even a you know, comparison when you really look at them as far as the way they make you feel, the way you make you feel the next day, you know, all of that, the way your body interacts with them. And say your body doesn't, your body's getting poisoned with alcohol, where your body's, you know, which is an altered state. You're getting, you know, you're poisoned Agreed. But, you know, Agreed. with uh, cannabis. It's locking in with your, your system and it's giving almost heightened awareness and heightened sensitivity yeah. of certain things, right? So it's a yep. heightening awareness as opposed to alcohol depresses your, your awarenesses and really, you know, tunes you out of your senses. And um, so my point is, the more people we can get attuned as, a, as opposed to detuned, the better off we will be both from an introspective mindset point to health and wellness. And like say, you know, the less people we have having alcohol, the less we have around, uh, you know, just the, all, the, all the negative alcohol or negative effects from alcohol, all that ripples down, both from relationships and, and you know, how that deals with, with uh, you know, domestic violence to, you know, your physical health, like say, when I quit drinking alcohol, yeah. I mean, I wasn't overweight at all, but you know, automatically just tightens up your body. You feel like you get rid of all that, all that bullshit, all the, all the excess calories that don't do anything for you. So it's just, you're automatically going to feel better. And like I say, when we feel better, we do better. So I'm very confident that once we get more mass adoption, that we'll have better health and wellness uh, overall. If, and then this is like, say, this is the big if, yeah. and this is one of the reasons I came into the space is I had a vision, like say when I was meditating before I became in the industry, I had a vision that cannabis can either go the way of alcohol and just be the next alcohol, or it can be this tool and this medicinal, uh, you know, this medicine. And I say, that's what I, that's how I use it. And that's how I really feel it is used best. And that's why one of the reasons I came into this industry is to how, how can we, how can I be an example or how can I bring out, uh, you know, how can I kind of shine light on other people using it as an example for medicinal slash more intentional use? So that's the vision and that's the, the way that I'm pushing everything towards that we're doing, all the people we're working with. Um, not like I say, it's not to say we won't, you know, yeah. support people who, who you know, <laughs> you know, their sales are going towards that person that is, is, you know, using cannabis all day. It's not to say that certain people can't use it that way, but it's like, well, the more intentional we can be and the more uh, mindful that we are around our usage, then I think the better off we'll all be as a collective. So I think I'm, I'm very bullish on the, uh, the implications of how this can really impact our, our you know, our society and our you know, culture. Yeah, that's really well said. Thank you for for pointing out a lot of those points. It's it's fascinating to see. And if you if you if someone's so inclined to step back and look at the big picture, you could see a lot of cannabis companies that went full tilt and tried to enter into like the market and they went with the intention of making as much money as possible. And I would say that the majority of those companies fail because it yeah. does come back to intention. Like, why are you using it the same way in which you had the epiphany of from recreational to medicinal or the same way in which you move from state to stage at some point in time in your mind using cannabis, you're like, I really like the way that I think about this. I really like the way that this makes me see something different. And I think that that is beginning to manifest itself in the way people use it to do business or the way we may be evolving as a culture mm -hmm. is like, hey, why are we doing business like this? This excessive growth for this reason. Yes, it is it is a rare, slight definition of success. But I love what you said about when you feel good, you do good. How often do you want to help out other people when you feel like shit? Never. You don't even want to help yourself out. When you start feeling good about who you are and what you do, all of a sudden you look at that guy next to you and you're like, that's just a different version of me, man. And you know what? I've been through what that guy's going through. I've, I see what this, these couple's going through. They're working so hard and they're caught up in this negative feedback loop. Let me go talk to them. Let me see if I can help, you know, just because I'm a good human being. And yeah. that, that's where community comes from. And I, I can't help but understand the relationship or at least begin to investigate the relationship between the different plant medicines, who we are and how society runs. If you look at what society runs on, if a society runs on alcohol, you have what we have. It's very destructive. The same yeah. way our country goes out and fights wars, so too does a drunk guy at a bar go out and look for someone to punch in the face. You know, it's, what if we ran on a different substance? What if we fueled up with something a little bit more medicinal, man? I, mm. I, I love it, man. I, yeah. I, I'm super thankful that you're here. Like I've only gotten through three questions. I know time's coming up. I'm gonna get one more in here before you have to go, yeah. man. Of course. Okay. What are we? What are we got? I'm, I'm okay. open. Okay. From a medical standpoint, how can cannabis play a role in addressing specific health conditions? And what ongoing research or developments excite you the most? Well, that's a great question. Um, Thank you. You've got great questions here today, by the way. I'm, I'm enjoying these. Uh, you know, the medicinal side, you know, one of my business partners that I, uh, you know, started this, this organization with, and, and he runs our direct consumer brand. We have a nootropic product and other CBD and health and wellness products. Right. Um, you know, him and his wife helped to legalize CBD and THC in the country of Brazil back in 2014, 2015. And 
you know, it was for epileptic children, right? They smuggled in CBD yes. and they're giving it to these epileptic children and they couldn't deny the results they were having, right? They couldn't, you know, they couldn't deny that these kids were not having seizures or only having one seizure a day as opposed to 200, right? right? So in a year, they were able to, you know, create this PR move and really like pressure the government to legalize these substances so these kids could have access to them, right? Because how are you going right. to deny dying kids? It's really challenging, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to your question, I don't follow a ton of these studies really closely until they come out into the open. Um, but I know there's tons of people using or, you know, you know, creating different studies around even specifically around psych with psychedelics, right? I have yes. more, of a, more of a pulse on that and everything going on with ketamine and MDMA and right. psilocybin. There's tons of, uh, you know, from John Hopkins to the MAPS people to, you know, even other people in between who are doing studies now around, like say, obviously the biggest ones, you know, around PTSD and people who come yep. from military backgrounds, um, but also addiction, right? I think that's one of the biggest things I think these could help with is actually getting people off of alcohol, off of other potential opioids or other drugs that they're addicted to. And it's not to say you can't get addicted to cannabis. You can. And it's it's a totally different. It's a better addiction. It's a much, much better addiction than opioids or alcohol or anything else. But you can still be addicted. Um, that's where psychedelics, I think, come in and really give you that over the top. You know, if you're using cannabis and you, you come in and do a psychedelic, you might, you might realize like, oh, I just substituted cannabis for alcohol. Right. And I, I'm, I just made that switch. Now, maybe it's a good substitute and it's a good stepping yeah. stone. But like, what's my next okay, What's my next stage? What's my next evolution? Um, so I think there's a lot of studies coming out. They're going to really, I think the studies really just enforce what we already know to a certain degree. And it really, it, yeah. we have two sides of our brain, right? We have our left brain right. and our right. And our left brain needs to have the logical, mm -hmm. uh, you know, scientific grounded information to have the emotional right, you know, creative brain really buy in and believe something. So I think from a greater standpoint of the, you know, the collective consciousness and all the, you know, the mass people in the U.S., to have these studies is crucial for them to even adopt it or even try it to have an experience with it. Because if without that, a lot of them are kind of like, oh, that's, you know, that's recreation or that's something I don't yeah. need. Right. So I think shifting the, these, these studies can really help shift the, the, the consciousness or the, the perspective of how people see these compounds and how they potentially could then, you know, let themselves use them and have an, have an experience with them. And maybe a good, maybe a bad, whatever, but they can at least have that experience on their own and, and figure it out. So I think coming back to your question, I don't really have any specific studies that I'm really excited about, but I know that there yeah. are people doing studies around specifically like say ketamine, MDMA, uh, psilocybin. Those are the kind of three big uh, psychedelic ones that they're studying. Um, even though like I say, we won't get into the details, but ketamine is not technically a psychedelic, it's a dissociative, but it's, it's still under that umbrella, right? Sure. So these compounds are, like say, from my experience, and I've never done ketamine, but similarly, like with, with, with psilocybin, it pulls you out of your, your current state and gives you a yeah. heightened, elevated, uh, perspective and experience. So the more we can get people in that state from time to time, I think the better off people will be both taking, you know, taking responsibility for their own life, both, you know, seeing a creative vision of what's possible for their future. And, you know, like say, bringing all that back into the present moment to do things that like say, you know, they're feeling better, they're doing better. And ultimately that that ripple effect, you know, goes into our families, goes into our communities, goes into our businesses that ultimately, you know, ripple into the world. So long way of saying is I think a lot of these studies are going to legitimize these compounds so that the more normal people, <laughs> the more yeah. say normal or average, but like the not, yeah. the not us, the not the people in the industry can have a greater sense of feeling confident or excited about potentially you know, using these compounds in a way that's you know positive in their life. I love all the language you use in there, like elevated and, and high and, you know, on some level, I like to think of all of us, like the human species is like one organism. And some people are out on the front and they're like, okay, like, and so many people, yourself included, that I've spoken to, I think are at the forefront of this industry because it has had radical and profound changes in a positive way on their relationships, not only to the relationships outside and the world that they're making, but the relationship inside to themselves. Like they really found a way to look at themselves in a way that they're grateful for. Like that gives me goosebumps to think about because I want everyone to do it. I think that's a big part of why we're so trapped in some of these old thoughts is that a lot of people may not have had the opportunity to, or the time to sit with themselves and be like, why don't I trust myself? Why don't I care enough about myself to do these things that I love to do? You know, and it's, it's not like a pejorative or it's not something that we should look at somebody with sympathy with. It's something that we should look at like, okay, this person 
much like you and I have spoke about states and stages, this person is currently at this stage. And so as we look at the cannabis industry, the psychedelic industry unfolding, like we have gotten a pretty cool view. And there's people miles ahead of us that have that have can look back and be like, oh, that's where George and Matt are now. The same way we can look at some of our friends or our family and be like, that's where they are right now. And I just yeah, I think I've it's been, really I've been wonderful. There, right? yeah, I've been in yes. that stage. Yeah. And you need right. everything's everything's like say stages, or whatever. It's, it, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh um, I'm blanking all the time on what the name of the book is, but it, it, it talks about the cycles of of, of consciousness. The fourth turning. Oh, um, no, no? Uh, I'm blanking all the time. It doesn't matter. But either way, you yeah. can't skip stages. You can't, you can't. You can't go from stage one to stage three or stage five. You have to go through even quickly. You have to go through all the stages yes. because you, if you skip and I think that's what even psychedelics can do for certain people in a negative way. Like, oh, I'm beyond that now. I don't have to go through that stage. I, you know, whatever. Like, well, maybe you didn't do the work. Like, say you didn't. Uh, you did the, the psychedelics is like sort of a shortcut, somewhat right. of a shortcut, but you still have right. to do the work. Yeah. Right. So it can, it can compress the time in which you do it. It may only take a month or two as opposed to a year or two. Right. So it can really help you in that in that timeline, but you still have to do the work. So you can't skip those stages. Right. Um, because then you don't have the even if nothing else you don't have the empathy of like oh I've went through that I see where they've been through I can empathize with them I can be more sympathetic or I can be in a way where I can you know know where they're going through and help them or even like say with business or whatever you only have to be yep. one step ahead or one stage ahead from somebody to help them pull them up right like hey like yes, I've been yes. there do this and that or you know make yeah. sure you're, you're giving yourself this or whatever right and and that's where we as a community can all help each other because we're all at these different stages and all these different levels of either business life mm-hmm. relationships mindset all of these. And right. I like say I'm rarely the you know the the person at the highest stage in my my groups because like I surround myself with people who are doing things you know as big or bigger than me or think bigger or differently than me. So I think that's one of the coming back to the things we talked about earlier, having your group of people and those people that you can really count on to really take that next level and to really grow your your business and your life and whatever it is you're doing. That's crucial to moving through those stages as quickly as possible with the least amount of time, energy, and and you know resources to to get there. And that's part of what we do with the masterminds. Like, hey, how can we yeah. lift people up? How can this rising tide lift up, lift all the ships together? And you know, it can cut your time in half, or it can cut your your expenses in half, or it can cut your you know, your pain and suffering in half as far as what you go through to get through that stage. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. And just like that, Matt, hour gone. Like we barely even scratched the surface, man. We barely scratched the surface. I got so many cool people. I would love for you to meet and have a bigger conversation under a bigger tent, man. So let's make that happen. I'll talk to you briefly afterwards, but maybe before you go, man, please tell people about what you got coming up, where people can find you and what you're excited about. Yeah. Like I said, we're heading into a new year here. Super excited about the the community we're cultivating. Obviously, you know, we have 75 plus members around the, around the globe. 50% of them are here in Southern California. Obviously, if you want to check us out, innercircle.biz, check that out. Matt at innercircle.biz if you want to directly reach out to me. Um, you know, if you're an operator or an entrepreneur in the space and this was resonant with you, then let's connect because this that's really what this is about for me is really finding the, the you know, the elite leaders in the space and the people who think differently and or, or in, in that growth mindset so that we can build together and we can really collaborate and, and you know, uh, you know, say synergize whatever efforts we have, both from, you know, our community, but also like individually within our community. How can I connect you with the right people to really synergize these efforts? And, you know, amazing, you know, overall, the community has been amazing. You know, I've met a lot of great people, uh, you know, people, let's say people at different stages of growth and of life and yeah. business. Um, but then there's the sharks. There's definitely some sharks still in our industry. And there's definitely a lot of people, not a lot, but there's definitely people who are out there who are only looking out for themselves and really only looking for, you know, win-lose scenarios as far as how they, how they can get ahead and how they can make more money and this and that. And, you know, we're, we're a vetted community. So it's, you know, I have one-on-one conversations with everyone potentially before they have, you know, we even talk about membership just so I can see where they're at mentally. I can see where they're at with their vision. I can kind of get a feel into how they operate just as a human and as a business person. And then from there we talk about, you know, Hey, like maybe this can synergize with our community or, or, you know, whatever that is. So if this is resonant with you, this type of, uh, uh, you know, perspective and mindset and growth sort of orientation is what you're looking for. Honestly, I've not seen another community in our space that is doing this specifically. Now, there's other people that do masterminds that are specific around business, and that's great. We need more of it. I'm not, you know, everyone everyone needs to join a group of some sort to be, like I say, to have this type of community. 
But if this is the type of language, like say, if you heard all the language we've, we've talked today and if it feels out there and like non-resident, then you're probably not a good fit. But if this is something that's, you know, you're like, oh, wow, you know, like to talk more on that or learn more about that or be around more people who are doing that. That's the type of people we're looking for. And it's a slow and steady race for me. Like say, uh, we're only about 75 members right now. We're on our march to 300 members. We only went about 300 members worldwide, you know, in the different communities and the different markets, doing different things, everything from plant touching and growing the plants to media and, and communications to, you know, SEO and marketing. We want the best of the best leaders and, and you know, people who have great skills and great hearts and who are open in mind, you know, want to sort of, you need to have a pay it forward mentality, knowing that, you know, in a mastermind setting that I'm going to, you know, give my best in a sense that I'm, I'm going to get the best from everyone else. And whatever my genius is, is really going to help them. And what their genius is really going to help me because, you know, that's, that's what a mastermind's about. That's what a, a community is and should be about is like, how do we really help each other? And how do we really, you know, collaborate in a way that synergizes both, you know, creating win, win, win scenarios, right? We talk about quadruple bottom line, you know, people, planets, profits, purpose, right? How can we really yeah. connect people with what they're truly meant to do? What's really lighting them up? And fortunately, I find a lot of people in this space have that purpose part down, but then they maybe don't have other parts of it down. Maybe they're not great business people or they don't really have right. to, you know, whatever. They've never, you know, they've, everyone's had their own journey and everyone's had different stages they've gone through around building or not building a business or a life. So just figuring out where people are at and mm -hmm. connecting them with the right people at the right stages and, and, you know, figuring out those sparks and, you know, creating the synergies. That's what we're all about. I love it. Isn't it interesting to notice the things about other people that you notice in yourself, man? So beautiful, man. It's like a mythology unfolding in front of us, man. So we'll hang on briefly afterwards, but I'll talk to you briefly afterwards, but ladies and gentlemen, Go down to the show notes, check out what we had to say today, check out Matt's page, check out his community. And like, if it resonates with you, reach out to him. He's a fun guy to talk to and he's a passionate person who cares about purpose and building a community that's worthwhile. And look, I, it's a great conversation. So that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and I hope that you decide to become the best version of yourself. That's all we got for today, Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what, you deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.